you know, Man of Action, which is the group that I think they just did the new Mega Man series. But they also are most famous mm. for Ben 10, Generator X, Big Hero yeah. 6, um, I Kill Giants, like a lot of those. Um, and he was like, yeah, uh, let me give you some some freelance. And I was like, this is cool. So I, I got yep. to bring a version of Ben 10 and not be murdered, which was nice. Yeah, um, that's, you know, that's always nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then after that, I just kind of like kept, um, uh, I didn't get anything after that for like a year. And oh, then man. Jeff Trammell actually, and I think not my friend Nodja Porter, who worked on Craig, suggested me for freelance. And um, I did like an episode or two at the beginning of Craig. And then I got hired at a law firm. That was the floor below Cartoon Network. Oh, wow. And I would sneak upstairs to do freelance episodes. And I think I was like like, 10 or so episodes, like in like just sneaking upstairs the first two seasons. They'd be like, here, are you free for a couple of hours on a Thursday to do a couple of freelance episodes? And they're like, am I? And I would take the longest bathroom break of my entire life. I'd be like, oh, I'm having a late lunch. I just wouldn't come back. Um but uh, the the lawyer that I worked for, uh, he was always out of town, and I was like an assistant to this lawyer who was mm-hmm. never there. Oh my um, gosh! So this is that's sounding like a great setup. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was amazing. If I if I was still there, he'd fire me for this. But uh, <laughs> I hope he's not listening. He's like, that's where she was going. <laughs> Maybe I ended up getting a friend of mine hired there after I left. And I'm pretty sure the interview probably went something like, so are you going to sneak upstairs to Cartoon Network uh, <laughs> oh, no. and leave us? But the thing is, I think he knew secretly mm. because yeah. he, I knew everyone at Cartoon Network, number one. I would always mm-hmm. talk to them and I'd be like, oh, it's just because my brother works there. And it's like, no. And when I was <laughs> leaving, I gave him my resignation letter and I was like, oh, thank you for employing me. It's been great. And he's like, uh, so you're going to Cartoon Network, huh? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now, he's like, "Congrats!" And I was like, "Thank you." Uh, <laughs> up uh, yeah, like a little oh, yeah. bit of like, how how could you? It also all right. He was it's actually like, surprisingly the nicest, coolest boss, even though he works for like one of the biggest law firms uh, in America. But. Mm-hmm. uh I always wondered if he was on the line of evil or good, and I could never tell. <laughs> but he liked Spider-Man, so we talked about that a lot. But he, oh, cool. he was nice. He was nice. He gave me a good Christmas bonus. I was like, I don't do shit here. Yeah. You're me. You know, no. that, that, sound, that sounds like a dude who's uh, maybe uh, chaotic good. Good. He might be chaotic good. Chaotic I don't know. Good. He also had like eight daughters. I can't remember. I might be exaggerating. Oh, it wow. was a lot That's of daughters. A lot I remember uh, cheaper being by the cousin. <laughs> and then being like, no sons. And he's like, nope, just a crap shit ton of daughters. Like, oh my God. Oh my God. It's like, good for you, sir, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. But I'm curious, how did you go from uh getting the freelance to not have anything and then to getting into the law firm was the law firm kind of just like well i gotta pay the bill somehow yeah i was actually working at the i was working multiple jobs i was originally working at the warner brothers studio tours Mm. um, here in burbank and then i started working at the sketchers in burbank in downtown burbank where i had to deal with feet all day and it was terrible 
Oh, um, no. One of my friends, I got let go from Warner Brothers because it was only seasonal, and it was kind of like a lottery of like if they would keep you past right. what they would say. So it's like, oh, wow. I ended up like uh, getting let go from there for being too friendly. Uh, from what I was too like, friendly. What does that mean? You I was the student who was like, I have to move you because you talk to everyone, and. I would talk too much with my coworkers, and he didn't want us to talk because uh, uh, he wanted us to seem like professional. And I, I'm goofy and made people laugh too much. Um, so I ended up going no, to, no happiness uh, at Warner Brothers. Allowed, no, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yes, don't come for me, Warner Brothers. It's true. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I started working at Skechers, and then one of my friends there was just kind of like, "Hey, I know you don't want to smell feet for the rest of your life, and the whole writing thing doesn't seem to be working out for you. So, uh, <laughs> do you want to go and like?" I work uh, full time at this um, law firm and I can get you hired there. You, you could make like 22 bucks an hour, which I think I was making $10 an hour. So I was like, please, God, yes. And she ended up yeah. getting me hired. And it just so happened that the law firm was right below Cartoon Network. Wow. So I, it was just a very lucky coincidence. And then I just knew people from there because my brother already worked there. Mm -hmm. So like, people would see me and be like, you work here, don't you? And I'm like, I work in yes. building. <laughs> I won't say otherwise. And then people would be like, cool, I'll keep you in mind for other projects. And I was like, cool. Oh, I just never corrected people. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that kind of got me, I, I started being a DPA on Craig of the Creek. Didn't have um, space for me as a full-time writer. So they would let me like kind of be in the writing room when they could. Uh, but I was a DPA so that I could leave the law firm and just kind of stay on the show. What's a DPA? Uh, a digital production assistant. So mm -hmm. my job was basically prepping boards for the board artists, uh, working with the producer and the production manager a lot, helping the editor. I would like conform storyboards. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And uh, what else? I feel Help like that'd be, a very, that'd be a very helpful position to have at other studios because... No, at Disney, we don't have those. And where I was previously, we did not have a DPA. So it seems like a very helpful. helpful From position. what I've heard, and I knew Netflix has DPAs, mm. but I don't think that people do the same jobs as DPA across studios. Mm. Like I know when I was at Cartoon Network, I would conform boards. and But then I also heard, like, we would write in, basically conforming boards means that you're putting it, you're matching it to the animatic, essentially. Uh, and you're making sure that all those shots match the animatic. And you're also putting in the dialogue and the action. But then I later found out, which we stopped doing it, that DPAs were not supposed to be doing certain jobs, like conforming. Yeah, uh, I was, I think thinking, was, I was like just thinking that too. Yeah, that's, 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 that's like a revisionist job. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I think like certain studios... I don't know. I don't. I, I certain studios will tell you to do certain things, and other studios are like, "That's not your job. We have a position for that." And you're like, "Right." Oh. Like Cartoon Network doesn't typically have any script coordinators in the room. You just kind of take your own notes and you just kind of do it. While some places like um, mm. Netflix, we always have a script coordinator in the room with us to take notes and like help us out. All the writers and production help the showrunner a lot. So it depends mm. on the studio, like what where you are, whether you have those things or not. Maybe it also depends on budget per show. I'm not sure mm. uh, why certain studios don't have certain things, but I don't. I don't know. Uh, but 
yes, yeah, so I, I was a DPA on Craig, and then I ended up being like, all right, I want to write full time, and so I just started making pitches. Like I, I wrote and developed three pitches, got art for it, uh, and then I asked a friend who had just pitched to a bunch of studios, like, hey, can I get all your contacts? Could you do an intro for me? I want to go and pitch. And my whole thing wasn't that I was trying to get a show. It was that I was trying to show that I could write a diverse group of content uh, in media and that I could really do a little bit of everything to try to get me hired on shows and also meet the executives uh, in current series and development mm. who would be picking up these shows and then looking for writers to put on those shows. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I was trying to cheat the system. Yo, yeah, that's such yeah. an interesting way of doing it. Like, I've never heard of like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to go and show my work to these people as a pitch. And you're like, eh, you know, I'm not looking for a show, but think of me if you're looking for writing. Yeah, like, I know how to write. Yeah. Like, clearly you could see it. Like, shh, come on now. That's kind of mm -hmm. how it was. It was like, if I get a show out of this, that'd be cool. But it's like, I want to show you that you should keep me in mind for stuff. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I, I remember I bumped that. into you when you were like pitching at uh, Nickelodeon, actually. Yeah. Too. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, snap. Hey. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, that was cool. It was, it was like, oh, what? What are you doing here? Yeah. Like, Do you just know everyone here. It was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I just, we just know each other. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, I was just like, we were just, he just walked by and I was like, wait a minute. And it was like, we just kind of like the Spider Man, like, what are you doing here? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I ended up meeting one uh, exec at Netflix who I absolutely adore her. I always tell people to pitch to her because she's amazing and she's very blunt and honest, which I respect. Uh, but I met this one executive at Netflix and she was basically like, oh, yeah, so um, we have something like this, but I'll keep you in mind for future projects. I really liked your pitch. It was really fun. And I was like, oh, thank you. And so I went back, worked at my desk, and then like a week later, she messages me and she's like, hey, do you, could you come in for freelance? And I was like, hell yes, I can come in for freelance. Uh, and I ended up getting there, going to the interview, thinking that, oh, I'm just going to get one episode of freelance, like an outline, like mm -hmm. three pages, that's not a big deal, but like, it's going to help me get further in writing career. And I got there, I had my interview, this was for a show called Battle Kitty, and Matt, the creator and the showrunner, Dave, was just kind of like, uh no no this isn't freelance i don't know why she told you that this is this is full time do you want to work oh, full snap. time oh, snap. we really liked your scripts and i was like oh snap uh that's not what i came here thinking but yes so then i ended up working on battle kitty for my first staff job wow yeah and then from there netflix is just very good at um putting people that they like onto new shows like rollover mm. oh like keeping people Yes, I've worked on mostly Netflix shows at this point, and it's been really fun. And it's like, I don't know, I feel like uh, two years ago, for some reason, Netflix had like all the clout. They were like, Disney and Netflix were stealing everyone around this point, And everyone was like sweating bullets, just like, please don't take our people, please, God. Yeah. Uh, and it's like working <laughs> mm -hmm. at Netflix somehow got me enough clout to uh, for other people to like be like, hey, you should come write for us. Because I was applying for stuff. But everyone kept telling me, you're not seasoned enough. You, you don't have enough uh, credits. Like, your writing is great. Everyone acknowledges that your writing is great. We love you. But you don't have enough season. I even had one executive, I won't say where, but they told me, yeah, yeah, go ahead and go to Netflix. And then um, when you've got enough, basically, clout or, like, credits to your name, you should come back to us so we could, like, work with you. And I was like, 
Well, oh why God. would I want to come back to that's this? Kinda, <laughs> that's kind of, man. That's so like, oh, that's that feels real greasy to me because that's just like, I mean, I don't know what studio <laughs> it was, but it, yeah, it's real greasy because <laughs> they're just like, eh, go get some credits at uh, Netflix, and then you then you'll finally be good enough for us. And it's like, well, then I'll I'm, I'll be too good for you. I can now like what. When your IMDb hits 50 pages, I guess you're I will enough. stay at the company that helped me and kept pushing me. I will I I, I will happily say that I am a, a, a Netflix fanatic. They they treat me well. But uh, yeah, I've, I've worked on mostly their projects, and it's been really fun. Like, Battle Kitty was, like, a great fun show to work on. Super, like, things that I never thought that I'd get to do. Like, lots of video game stuff, and then uh, was battle kitty uh interactive show or was it is mm. it just like a regular show like i remember hearing that it was kind of like one of those like choose your own adventure yeah like it's an interactive shows. like bandersnatch type series so it's pretty cool it's gonna wow. be awesome it looks great i'm I'm excited for it i'm promoming it now. oh so has it hasn't come out yet okay i haven't seen I thought that did come out because like i i heard like i kept yeah like, i saw an like, article about it stuff yeah about <laughs> no they're not us with like how good it's going to be and everyone on the crew it's like, <laughs> we just want to see what we've been working on <laughs> the thing oh, that we dang. did yeah it's been like a a year i think since i was on it so i'm just like i hear from friends who are still on it like how it's going but i'm just like i want to see it i want to be able to play it and just watch it and i'm excited okay. all right the, the, then i guess i can't because i was gonna ask like yeah, how, gonna... how does one write for right like, yeah that's... Your own adventure but, but like we probably gotta wait till after it comes out for yeah you, I guess. Like, yeah i probably have to um, not go over that man that's i mean so honestly kind though. of the way that i write any story like it's like i figure out what the story needs to be for each character's like like i figure out the character's kind of arc first mm -hmm. like from who they're who they are at the beginning of the story what their wants and needs are at the beginning of the story internally and externally and then i move down the line i'm like okay towards the end of the story what is their arc who do uh who are they going to be what do they want and need and realize that they actually need towards the mm. end um and then i do the same like once i do it for all the important characters i do it for um the story and i'm like okay what's the story overall for season one from a to z and then from there it's kind of like just kind of mixing those together and making sure that each episode is plotted out that's when you do the actual breakdown of each episode especially because all those shows are serialized so mm -hmm. it's like you have continuity there and then you just make sure that all of that is tracking for your character like okay they start off as a selfish jerk so by the end, they can't be a selfish jerk. How do I get them to that point? And then you right. just go through every episode and make sure that you have something in there that's having them develop more, become a more complex character. But it's, it basically did the same thing for that, like just kind of mapping all that out. Okay. Because of that experience, like, would you ever be interested in like writing like video game scenarios and stuff? Like, because like, yeah. like, like, like I think about like, uh, like the Walking Dead, like Telltale game and like that, how that's very like, you know, choose what's going to happen or like life is strange is yeah like, like, i got life is strange in the brain because i just watched the screen conference today you know life <laughs> is strange Brie. Yeah. the weirdest thing no man i want to work on a video game so bad i don't know if i'll ever get the chance but i want to but yeah like 
it's basically like la noir or something you know like it's, yes. it's more like a, a mystery murder train uh mm-hmm. when you're doing a choose your own adventure because you're like okay this has to connect here and it's like this has to go here and if what if they don't choose that route though we have to do this way and then it just becomes like that web of wall that's just like looks like a you're trying to find a murderer mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's that's what it feels like uh and looks like too but what would be your ideal like game dev company to work for if you could i don't know oh god mm. super big game company super big, <laughs> super big company i love all of you uh insert company here would be the most ideal uh video game company to work for someone from each i feel like i can't say because right i'm working on two ip things and i feel like i'll get in trouble <laughs> if I pick one over the other it's like i just got down with Tomb Raider, and it's like am i gonna say uh am, am i gonna get in trouble if i don't say uh, crystal dynamics like i don't uh, <laughs> <laughs> someone from crystal dynamics is listening <laughs> insert big video game company here i love it so much also insert indie video game company here oh my god such an oh my honor. gosh i love that indie that sounds like the name of an indie company All right, actually. Uh, insert, yeah, insert name of the indie company i wouldn't doubt that it possibly is it's like look up in, look it up right now i bet you it probably is <laughs> hey there's a hey super giant games exist you know with making hades and stuff so i'm sure there's super big indie dev there's company a dvd as well EBD, uh, EBD. E- e- entertainment, epic, big, <laughs> to be decided, to be decided, oh, to be decided. oh my god, that's great, that's a great name, yeah, I'm like, because I, 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 I was like, that's a great name, and then I was just like, it's taken, yeah, <laughs> to be decided, I really like, um, Audrey's super massive games, like, I like that title for, like, a game dev company, it's people that Ooh. did Until Dawn, like yeah. super massive games. I'm like, ooh, okay. Oh yeah, that's a good another good um like interactive spider web of storytelling game, right? Until dawn. Yeah, it is. It is. It's very. It's very scary. And I didn't play it. I just watched it, and I would like watch different people for to see the different outcomes. I'm too so much of a coward, so I, I I just watched my brother play it. Like he's been playing the new Resident Evil. I'm like, yeah, I just want to watch. I can't. Same. I I cannot play RE8. I just watched a let's play of it because first person. I'm not touching that. Uh uh-uh, uh. Uh-uh. Yeah, and like there's dolls, there's vamp. I just 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 can't do it. I'm a coward. <laughs> I don't like the dark. I guess I got nightlight. Nightlights are what's up. They're what's up. <laughs> they are what's up. Uh, <laughs> speaking of what's up writing (laughs) (laughs) hey you can writing and video gaming all tie into each other way oh no hey i wasn't hey you know what i'm just you know i saw a place where a segue can be built and i built it (laughs) you built it you now we're writing it (laughs) we're here here. uh yes right yes writing (laughs) (laughs) the uh the way you talk about um just bu- building a story and figuring out like the characters just development through uh, a season it's so interesting to me because it's one of those things that i've kind of been figuring out a little bit myself too where, I was, where i'm thinking like how does this all how do all these puzzle pieces connect to each other it's like I, i've been like kind of studying some writing and watching movies and kind of like trying to figure out and i'm like i can see it when it's like a movie <laughs> but it's like it hurts my brain when i try to think of it 
episodically because it's like oh okay like the character kind of has to be the same but also needs to change in order to be like an interesting character but you're doing it episodically like would it be would the character be changing every single episode how much do they change it's yeah a little mind-boggling to me yeah that's actually something that like gets at least in some some rooms most of the rooms that i've been in that's something that we deal with where we're just like okay this is too much of a big jump for this character's arc we have to like go into it slower mm-hmm. and so like we'll even try to do it with dialogue a lot of the time where it's like if we have a character being like at the beginning of the story they're just like i want a divorce but it's like the whole story is about this couple not getting divorced and learning to love each other again then we can't just put like second episode i love you again you know i want to work this out like we can't do that so it's like okay what's the proper way it's like maybe the next episode we do something where like you know like midway through we want them to start having that built-up relationship like by season like say it's like 10 episodes by episode mm-hmm. five, we want to like kind of start getting them to the point where you think things are going to be fine for them. With an episode, mm-hmm. like we just like wreck it. We just wreck it again. They go back to their old habits, everything that they fought about before. We ruin it. We crush mm-hmm. their dreams. This um, this sounds like those tweets that I see about people like writing stuff about like their OCs that are like, yes, causing pain to my characters. I love it. <laughs> Honestly, I'm that person in the room. I'm like. Hey, how much torture can we put them through from uh from a script coordinator and it was like kira's really excited to kill xyz i was like wait this isn't a note this is just you just put that in there it's like but you are (laughs) i just want to kill any character i'm just like i just want to kill them or i want to emotionally wreck people's feelings like i just want you to cry after those are my (laughs) key moods it's like Someone's either gonna die or you're gonna cry. It's like those are <laughs> die or cry. That's it. Those no, are that's, those it. Are the, that's the <laughs> range. You're gonna be that person in the screening or like in like the like the testing area, and then like you're behind a glass, and then you're watching like the children cry, and you're like, mission yeah. accomplished. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all the plan. There, and I'll like find a space, and like one one show that I worked on a while ago, I was just like but can I kill somebody? And I was like trying to figure out all the ways that it would still work for the story with me killing this one character. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm to do it. Even in my own stuff, I'm just like side characters. I'll make them super lovable. And then I murder them. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> listen, nothing's better than falling in love with the character and then them dying. Okay. There's nothing. Not really. It's sad, but <laughs> <laughs> It's just more fun for me. I don't know why. It's just like, hey, I know you fell in love with this character. It's like it's like converting Zuko to be a good guy and then murdering him. That's what yeah. I want. <laughs> Not my boy Zuko. <laughs> uh, I feel like that's like basically every um, every film in the two thousand, maybe even before, but <laughs> because it makes me think of oh man, I I I was having this conversation with you before Bree too about mm-hmm. this dance movie. That I think it's Shannon Tatum and someone else. But mm-hmm. like in the it's like one of those movies where it's just like, ooh, I dance on the streets. And then the the love interest is like, ooh, I dance at, at ballet and yeah. <laughs> everything. And one of the one of the uh street dancers like uh friends is like, I'm the chipper sidekick. See he everything's gonna be great. I'm never gonna die, and then he dies like that's what <laughs> we're we, yeah. we talking about. We were talking about this in regards to Fast and the Furious. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what every, like, 
for like even you got served the OG dance movie. If it's like especially if it's in the hood, you know mm-hmm. a character's gonna die to promote them dance. Yeah. Like there was a little <laughs> kid, even like sports movies that sometimes happens, like hardball. You guys remember that movie mm-hmm. with uh was it Keanu Reeves? I think it's, Where it's like hard. the kids who play baseball in the hood and then he's like helping them and it's like the Mighty Ducks, but baseball uh, in its hood. Um, and it's like one character always has to die, and it's like, oh god, no, no. I just watched Cooley High like a little bit oh, earlier shoot. today because I hadn't seen it since I was a child. So I was sitting there watching it, and I'm like, all right, which one of these guys is gonna go? <laughs> all right, you, you always have to have. Listen, I, I know. I already my know. My favorite, one of my favorite movies growing up was. Leon the Professional and um, Set It Off. And like, you, no one can tell me that you didn't watch Set It Off, see the best character, Queen Latifah, get mowed down and not feel a thing. You, you can't tell me. Oh my God. You can't. Oh man. But yeah. 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 Nowadays, they like, if they do kill off a character, usually they bring them back. Like, it, this makes me think of like Frozen with like Olaf. Like, Olaf, yeah. everyone's like, I'm falling in love with Olaf. He's great. Kill him off. Oh no, everything's sad. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. He's a magic snowman. He's back. Uh, oh, uh, okay. No, so I guess. <laughs> that I, I'm like the big, I, I hate it because I mm-hmm. do it, but only when it needs to be there. Like if I can't find a genuine reason for having it, I don't do it. Mm-hmm. But like there's certain characters where I just like want them to die. And, and I'm not going to say, say what, <laughs> you know, I ever, mm-hmm. but there's one animated movie where a character dies and I hate it in the whole movie. And I was so happy. <laughs> I'm happy. Like I was that. like, yes, stay dead, stay dead. And then they did, and I was like, yes, <laughs> a monster. But um, <laughs> yeah, I say I don't definitely don't do it if it's not there for a reason. But mm-hmm. right, totally. Like, I do it love has to be done there for a reason. <laughs> that brings up an interesting question, though. That like, um, just like kind of your particular taste for writing, does that kind of clash with some of the stuff that you have worked on in the past, though? Like, um, the st- stuff that you've worked on or yeah, like does that does the like, that personal taste for what you write personally does that clash with like the animated uh like landscape for what you have done previously? And do you just sort of like capture what you want and like your own personal stuff a bit more? Mm. Yeah, I think um because there's not really like a YA market. Yeah, I I will say like it's not necessarily that like it's clashed in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, rhyme. Um, but it's kind of like, I think as my career has progressed, I've had a lot more fun purely because I have the ability and like, kind of like the privilege of choosing more things opposed to just taking whatever came at me. Mm. So there was a time like in the past where I was like, oh, this isn't like exactly where I want to go, but there's ways to put like parts of myself in this for me to still enjoy writing on this project. So it's not just like, oh God, this isn't like what I typically like to write and so I can't do it or like it's not going to be good it's like I find reasons I like it like I put my own spin of like comedy and something if it's a comedy show mm-hmm. um because I often don't feel like I'm like hilarious like I can't feel like I do slapstick well like Spongebob Gumball like I love those shows but I don't know if I'm the best at it I'm very much a situational comedic person which lends itself more to like, um, or like wordplay. It's like lends itself to an older audience versus just goofy, like, um, like just, I don't know, like Futurama. Like I love Futurama, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I am 
funny enough to write jokes like that. Mm. But I end up writing stuff that's a lot more drama. I'm really like, I think my strong suit is like family dynamics and friendship dynamics in action sequences. Like, I think that's like my favorite things to do. Mm. Um, but now that my career is like moving uh, and I get to choose what I like to work on, I feel like I've had the privilege of working on more things that or work better with what I want to do in general, but just my strengths, like they play to my strengths. And like, I get to do those things a lot more, like a lot more family stories where it's like ensemble cast or like um, adventure stories, things like Avatar or um, straight up actiony things like, um, which like, like my influence is like the Incredibles and like Avatar and I like a lot of anime. So like I'm, I'm doing things that feel a lot more, uh, it not necessarily just because of YA or because it's like an adult thing, mm-hmm. uh, but just because I think like I've I have built up my resume enough to prove that I can do those things, so people trust me and hire right. me to do them now. Which like, especially at the beginning, I felt like I was always fighting imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh god, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to work on something that has action or that has like like adventure fantasy sci-fi stuff like i would like to work on i don't think anyone's ever going to trust me but now i feel like i'm at a point where i can do that and people trust me to do it and i i was always kind of like oh god i'm never going to be able to work on anything that isn't like a, a black rant like a black show not black right. rant, but just black in general it's like i feel like that was a lot of the stuff i was getting at the beginning of my career where it was like oh yeah you're only getting hired because we need a black person and our lead character is black and we're not black. And so this is all you can get. Mm-hmm. Um, not Craig. Cause like I said, Ben and Matt were just super great guys who trusted me and they liked my writing. So that felt really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've worked on things after that, that made me feel like I'm only here cause I'm black. Right. Um, but I feel like now I'm, I'm getting the chance to do things that I'm like, yeah, you guys see that I'm good at this. You see that I like doing this and it doesn't kind of go against what I see for myself in the future and the stuff that I want to create personally as a future showrunner. Mm. Future showrunner, tomorrow showrunner. So I'm, I'm <laughs> going to turn on, I'm going to open my, like, I'm going to open the internet. I'm going to see uh, Shakira Presley, new showrunner of cool kick-ass bomb action anime show coming to Netflix today. Heck yeah! Yeah, when your Netflix show coming out? When is it dropping? When is it dropping? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Come and check out my new show. I'm gonna plug it right now. It's called (laughs) Never Gonna Happen. No. No. Uh, That's a that's a good name of a show. Yeah, yeah. It's super great. Uh, It's actually it's directed by. Keegan Michael Key. It's uh, starring. uh, some person, um, Denzel Washington, Denzel, first animated role. Is the lead character. He's playing um, a badass fighter uh, <laughs> who fights his way through all the countries in Africa. Um, oh my God. Never gonna. I don't happen. know what that. I don't know what I'm saying. Wow. Um, no, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I, I, featuring I Lakeith so. Stanfield. Oh, no. I. I think he's too busy being uh, Yasuke. <laughs> yes, he's probably is. He's booked. Netflix mm-hmm. won't let me have him, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but how do you, I guess, get, how do you hone those skills in those, in those, uh, in 
the dramatic writing or action writing or just like figuring out what you're good at and kind of honing that like mm. what's what are tips on on getting good at that get, get good know. how do you get I, good how do you good? get good i don't know tell me when you find out um <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i kind of feel like um i take a lot of like when it comes to writing characters or like family or ensemble cast of like friends or whatever um or enemies i've always just kind of take from like personal experiences and like flip it or like I, I take like from people around me, like there's like the ongoing joke of like if you were friends or related to a writer, you better believe that they've like brought up a story about you or wrote you into one of their stories mm-hmm. at some point or like mm-hmm. mentioned you in the writing room and used you uh, as an example for something or for a character, mm-hmm. which is definitely true. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but like that's I just kind of take from personal experience. I'm also like I was very shy growing up. So I would people watch a lot and Mm -hmm. I would just kind of like listen to how people talk or like just their movements or like how they would react to something or their different mindset. Uh, Because, you know, people think completely different than how you do. You can ask someone, what do you think about this lamp? And then they'll say 30,000 things that you weren't saying about the lamp. So it's like, I just kind of take from real world experiences. Like I'm the second oldest of six kids. And so I really like writing sibling characters because it's like me inserting me and my siblings into stories and like Mm -hmm. our different weird dynamics between the six of us. And we're also a blended family. So then it's also like, I know how to write that too. Not just like my biological siblings, but siblings who were married in. Mm -hmm. So I got, I've been told that I'm really good at that. And people are like, man, your siblings feel so real. And I'm like, yeah, because I have a million of them. (laughs) Um, It's like, or like most of my kid characters too. Everyone's like, oh, wow, you're, for your pitches like your kid characters always seem so authentic and i'm like yeah because they're just based on my youngest siblings who just like are either at odds with each other or absolutely love each other because we're all around the same age and then i'm also like the second oldest of 21 grandkids so it's like i have so many kids to pull from in real oh, world wow that i just kind <laughs> of you gotta roll the like, yeah. yeah i just rolled the rolodex and i'm just like all right which kid am i going to uh, <laughs> put into this story today or like i'll take from like friends here and i'll like take their personality and mix it from, with a character that I enjoy from a, a movie or a TV show. And then I'll create a new character out of that, like whatever the influence is for them. And I just kind of, I just kind of go about it that way. I also like to read scripts mm-hmm. um, and see how other people write their characters or how they explain that the world that these characters are in like world building wise. And I like to kind of like study them and then I'll watch the movie after to see like what part of the script changed and like what, uh, what dialogue changed or what did the actor add to make that story stronger? And I'll do that a lot. Mm. Like I studied the first John Wick one or Knives Out. Those are some good movies. Oof. Yeah. Oof. They're like, those are the, like, I love action. So like anything action, I definitely like to watch, especially anything with action. That's not just like, like it has like a little bit of story in there. It's not purely just action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, I like to I like to study stuff like that, and then um, hmm, trying to think of what else like like I I read scripts mostly to see how people write their action and like their mm-hmm. descriptors and they're like um, I'm like huh how do you how do you write this how do you make this entertaining how do you make this descriptive without being like too wordy which I typically have a problem with and I'm like oh god I gotta cut this script down it's way too long <laughs> so I try to put it like perfect and I'm like how do how did they do it how did they write the sequence 
but that's that's kind of what I do. I read scripts. I kind of study people. I take from real life experiences, and then I just kind of like put it into my work and try to put in as much part with it as possible, which is is always like a little tougher when you're not writing on something that's your own because mm-hmm. you kind of have to mix those things in with also borrowing someone else's writing style because you want to capture it for their characters. You have to capture those characters' voices and uh, what their world is and you want to make sure that you do it properly. So it's kind of like, for, I, I imagine for like artists, it's kind of like matching someone's drawing style. Mm, it's like you yeah. have to like match it to a T so that every episode and every character throughout this episode sound the same yeah wow yeah yeah and i feel like it's 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 something that's so interesting to me because uh yeah as you're describing it too i'm like matching how someone writes just sounds so difficult <laughs> i mean imagine how someone draws sounds difficult too I, yeah. <laughs> it sounds, yeah it sounds very it also how do we how are we doing this why are we doing this <laughs> we're, we're just like crying in a corner after the podcast we don't know. <laughs> i don't know it's i don't even know i feel like uh my, my partner describes it as like having extreme empathy. Like if you've ever like been in person with someone with an accent, like a strong accent and you start mimicking them on accident, that's oh, kind of yeah. like what it feels like. It's like, you don't yeah. even realize you're doing it. Oh, like you're just like, suddenly like you're doing their accent back at them. You're like, I'm sorry, I'm not taunting you. I just, your accent's thick. And then I'm mimicking because of the empathy thing. Yeah. Um, oh yes. That happens but, to you. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just like studying a lot, like studying the way that other people write or like the way that they talk, because a lot of people don't realize it, but they kind of talk the way they write sometimes in some scripts. Yeah. Um, but then you have to find a way to like still make it that character. So it's like also learning their comedy. Like there's like our showrunner on Battle Kitty, Matt, the British dude, mm. and like the, he would like say something. I'm like, what is that word? Number one. I don't know what that is. And then uh, then kind of like going from there and being like, okay, I've learned your comedy since I I know what you like, what your uh, references are for what you think is funny. And now I have to match that style of funny. Because like like going from something like SpongeBob level of comedy and then taking it to like Futurama and then like taking it to like, I don't know, Fleabag. Like those are completely different three different types of projects and the Mm -hmm. level of comedy is so far between so it's like if someone wants you to write like fleabag type of comedy and then you're sitting here writing like gumball where they're just like screaming for 30 minutes and the mom's like having this crazy anime car sequence it's like it doesn't work it's not the same Mm. and so you have to kind of figure it out like when you meet the showrunner and be like okay what do you like give me all your references tell me to watch things give me a list and then take it from there Mm. Is it difficult to, um, I guess, start to write as certain characters or in the world of characters? Like, like I'm thinking like, oh, like what if you're working on a show and you have to freelance? Like, do you have to relearn everything about a, a show before you can like write the show? Or do you kind of just like, eh, this is just like an, an outline or for something? <laughs> or like, how, how does that work? It depends. Yeah, I feel like... Um... In an outline-driven show, I don't have to focus on it that hard because the board artists are doing, in my opinion, most of the mm. work. Mm. I'm sorry, writers out there who think that outlines are most of the work. It's not. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, 
yeah, it's it's hard coming up with premises and like concepts for new episodes, but like when it comes to outline driven shows, I feel like the board artists are writing all the dialogue, so I never feel always feel a little bad because I'm like, do you need help? Should I sit down with you and like we can go through dialogue? Is this hard? I just, you're doing so much already. You have to break down this entire freaking episode, this whole outline, yeah. write dialogue, and then board it. But as of late, I've been working on mostly script driven shows. Uh, so I don't have to feel guilty about putting all the work on the board artist. But then I, I just kind of like, I, I feel like if I, if they have like a pilot script already written when I come onto the show, um, then it's a lot easier because then I can read the pilot a few times and be like, oh, okay, this is how you're writing this character. This is how they act. And then also usually when you start a show, they give you the pitch Bible um, and it has like a detailed description of like what that character is like and how they react to other characters, what their dynamic are with the other characters and what the world is like and how they interact with it. So mm-hmm. that definitely helps. I have worked on things where there was like uh, a really rough short synopsis of each character and no pilot. And it's like, okay, well, tell me about the character. And mm-hmm. then it's kind of like I had to go on what their personality was like. I didn't really have much for how they spoke because it was kind of being created all at once. Like we were in the room like, how does this character speak? Does this character even speak? Like, all these, like, where are they from? What is their background? Like, we have to, like, figure that out before we can even figure out how they talk. It's kind of like like Adventure Time. Like, Finn and Jake have, like, their own words that they use, and it's become popular again because of them. Like, you know, uh, like, uh, algebraic and... screaming, like, cowabunga. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you decided that that was a thing probably when you created them so it's like mm. how how does they're like mathematical reaganomics is like you know it's like are you is your character gonna talk like that or are they gonna talk like more professory like how are they are they more academia like what what are they so it's like it's really hard when you don't have anything to go off of mm-hmm. um but if you have a good showrunner most of the time they'll be like oh, okay have you ever seen like this and this mix those two characters together and then they like they do, they talk like this or they like they like this. This is their personality. This is what you should pull from. And then you're like, ah, oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, and there's been some really cool times where I had no freaking clue. Oh, and um, I just kind of went with my gut on it based on what the personality was. And then the creators was like, we didn't know what the hell this character was supposed to sound like. So <laughs> this is now the basis for what this character sounds like. Go do this oh, from now on everybody and i was like oh whoa. oh thank god yeah <laughs> and they like edited all the scripts afterwards to make sure that the character was talking that way but mm. i was i was very nervous going i was like i don't know what this person talks like. <laughs> i have to come up with it this character's never been in a script before oh god oh wow that's so yeah. interesting i, I yeah, do have a, qu- a question though just because um for some of our viewers that are super uh, into wanting to be writers and go up that path. If you could just describe sort of what the difference between a staff writer, a story editor, and a showrunner is, because I think some people think that a story editor and a showrunner might be slash EP might be the same thing and might not know the difference between, between what, a, what a staff writer does differently or yeah. even what a script coordinator does differently as well. I think it's just because if you go into live action, it is completely different. Like, like a story editor is a lowing, a lower writing position in live action. 
Uh-huh. It's like, so I could be a story editor in live action and it doesn't really hold much like ground. Like it's not really that big of a deal. Uh, and like the executive producer most of the time will be the showrunner. Um, mm. But then there's like an animation, like the script coordinator starting off. Uh, the script coordinator is the person who basically they sit there and they lend themselves to the showrunner uh, and the writers of the room, the story editor and the producer. And they basically like they're there to basically assist you in whatever writing needs you need, like taking notes. Um, they will set up uh, like make sure that like you have you need to go to all the meetings, set up time for you to write and have discussions to create episodes. Um, they are the backbone of the room. They handle everything. They're really great. Um, uh, they have meetings typically with the showrunner to make sure that he has times for you guys to like read everything and like setting up going to the pitches and everything. Um, and let me see what else. Then basically the person above is staff writer, um, which basically means that you're there in the room uh, coming up, either coming up with ideas um, if it's a board driven show. Usually if it's a board driven show and you're a staff writer, you're sitting in a room for a couple of hours a day uh, coming up with new premises, new ideas for each episode and then helping uh, build it up with other people, throwing out what that episode exactly entails, like what actually happens in it. Uh, and what the journey is going to be for that episode. Um, But if you're on a more serialized, script-driven show, then your job as staff writers, like, usually will help. Like, if they don't already have the the, uh, story built out, then it's basically coming up with what the story from A to Z is going to be, even though you already know what the story is about. And you're kind of, like, mostly assigned episodes. Like, once you guys figure out what the entire story is going to be, what the characters are like together... Then it's like, okay, well, this is what order each of the episodes are in. You go write episode two, and then we'll go in order. And, like, usually your episodes are assigned by <laughs> what you you typically want. So, mm-hmm. like, the showrunner might be like, hey, so now that we know what the entire season is going to be, we have episode one through ten mapped out, like, in a paragraph form of what each episode needs to be. Go ahead and write your outline. And then once I approve the outline, go ahead and write the script. And then you basically turn that in for rewrites. But yeah, that's pretty much your job, writing the scripts, writing the outlines and the premises. And then as a story editor, your job becomes trickier because you are now kind of running the room uh, and you're basically keeping continuity, especially for serialized show. Your job, especially at the end, will be like going through each episode, making sure that everything that you set up is paid off, all the character arcs pay off. We're not forgetting any plot holes or forgetting characters in scenes. Like sometimes when you're writing an ensemble cast, you're like, oh, crap, I forgot to put this character in there. And it's just like, that's why the character's just standing in the background, not saying anything, not doing anything, because you forgot that he was supposed to be there. Uh, and then the it, it accidentally will like get forgotten. So it's like, oh, this character hasn't said anything for a while. You didn't put that. So I'm going to add that line in there just so that character is remembered. Um, Or I'm going to have them doing something during this fight sequence because you forgot that they were there because they're not essential to the fight. And basically making sure that everything's as tight as possible. Also, you get to go to a lot of the records, which is really fun. Uh, I've gotten to sit in on a few records and I got to like meet some pretty cool actors. And basically just making sure that the story is good. Sometimes some 
studios don't really do this because um, it depends. Some some people roll off of the show before the board artists are hired. But if you are still present when board artists are hired, it's really cool because you get to go to the pitch meetings. Mm. So you do the handouts with board artists where you assign them the episode. Um, you can kind of use that time to tell everyone, oh, okay, this is what we were thinking. This is what we referenced. Uh, if you want to watch this movie or look at this scene, that's what we're referencing. So you're not breaking your back trying to figure out what the motive was for this episode. This stuff could be changed. It's just a blueprint, but this is the stuff that definitely needs to stay there. Don't take this out. It's, it, it's crucial that we leave this piece of information or this object in this episode. Mm. Uh, and then giving notes when uh, after the board artists do the pitch uh, and being like, oh, I like this part of the story, but this is what I think needs to be changed because we really need to point out this thing about the character and you guys uh, possibly forgot to put that in or something like that. Or, hey, like the board artist might come to you sometimes like, this is expensive or this is, a, or not expensive, but like, um, this is going to be hard to do. The line producer will be like, this is expensive. Um, <laughs> but the uh, the borders will be like, dude, a crowd shot. You guys suck. And we're like, no, no, no. We're so sorry. It doesn't need to be a crowd. Make maybe make it like six people, and that's fine. Eleven minutes of crowd shots. Come on, like, why did you write shots? this? No. <laughs> why are you fifteen pages why just to say crowd them? shots? Uh, like, this yeah, script like, is 17 pages and this is an 11 minute show <laughs> Damn. Wait, wait a minute wait a minute this is 20 pages and 19 pages is a fight sequence <laughs> like, like are we like, are we writing dragon ball z right now what's going on yeah, <laughs> it's like 19 movie, pages guys. of screaming one minute of fighting <laughs> but Yes, yeah, so that's that's pretty much what the uh, story editor will do most of the time. They're just they're maintaining they're maintaining the room and making sure that all the scripts have like continuity and they're keeping it tight, um, making sure that it's good for basically the, the board artist to take over and put their their skills to it. Um, and then um, yeah, the showrunner, the person who runs the show, they're like the puppet master. They're delegating if they're a good showrunner. They're delegating delegating for everyone out there delegating uh, emphasis on delegate delegating trust your team to do their jobs um, <laughs> uh, yeah they're basically uh showrunners are basically the the head they're usually the person who created the show or got asked to run a show depending on if it's an ip because sometimes you get asked to do in a show you don't actually create it or come to executives to pitch it they'll sometimes buy an ip and then just think that you're the perfect person to run that show. And then they will ask you to run that show. That's um, interesting. That's something I did not know. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes if you're ever like, how did this person get this show? They don't even like this IP project, um, intellectual property for people who don't know what IP is. Um, it's probably because an executive just thought they were really like, say like, I don't know. Uh, uh, what's like a Barbie thing? Barbie say they know that somebody is either one in love with barbie or two is really good at writing about i don't know what's the youtube channels about like worldly problems and like educational barbie videos right mm -hmm. so like yeah. they know that you're good at that even if you're not a fan of barbie they will come to you and be like hey you person a you like barbie you're in love with barbie you talk about barbie all the time do you want to make a barbie show or they can go person b you know nothing about Barbie. You don't give a crap about Barbie. But 
you want to be a showrunner and this is a property that we think that you'd really enjoy because you're really good at writing about this stuff and you enjoy writing this stuff. Like a Barbie princess movie. They're like, hey, we know you don't care about Barbie, but you love writing princess stories. Mm. Do you want to write a Barbie movie? And you will be the creator of that project. Like you will be the showrunner of the new Disney Barbie TV series. Mm. And you could be like, yes or no. But that happens too. So sometimes it's not just they're a big fan who wanted to pitch a Barbie movie. But yes, yeah, so that for yourself. Would you like to? Would you like? I actually uh, did get asked to work on a Barbie movie. Oh, oh wait, really? Would you like to do that Barbie world. specifically? <laughs> it, was, it was. I don't remember what what it was, but um, they were doing a new Barbie thing. I'm assuming it was the YouTube series. This was like two years ago, hmm. and my partner was like, "Oh, dude, you know, there's like a whole world of like people obsessed with Barbie movies, right?" And I was like what no and she's like yeah dude seriously there is like people like binge the barbie movies it's like a big deal like the princess and the pauper and i was like and then she made me watch them and i was like what is what (laughs) 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 so i I watched all the barbie movies she's like i mean that's a good (laughs) reaction those barbie movies are uh they're so fun wait wasn't there (laughs) one that was like actually pretty good like a like it's like uh a crazy movie but it was like funny enough to be like oh this is nice i i can't i want to be able to say it was like kind of funny and it was like oh this is actually i haven't seen anything past the nutcracker one because the nutcracker one was like the first cg barbie movie ever i think and i remember that coming out when i was very young oh yeah no i think it's past the nutcracker thing because i feel like it was like a more recent barbie movie and it was like is the dream house going around and maybe it was dream house mm. it was like kind of a meme where it's like wait is this movie like good <laughs> like, my boyfriend told oh, me what? that barbie dream house is like better than it's supposed to be because like he's watched a couple episodes with like some old friends they, they just... okay yeah oh yeah you know what yeah it's the okay i think it is that sh- it was a show right yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah, I think they're, aware, they're aware that they're dolls in the barbie dream house yeah oh, okay yeah i think it is that yes that like, <laughs> like aware that they're like <laughs> sentient plastic <laughs> is it like some small soldiers type yeah. <laughs> oh my god well now i'm intrigued i'm like i'm like hmm okay barbie i might watch this uh, it's on netflix yeah i was gonna say I think it's netflix netflix show. <laughs> oh, shoot. yeah no i didn't actually end up doing it i think i was just too busy at the time yeah. But I was like curious. I was like, Barbie. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so basically that, that's how it works sometimes. So mm. those are the different ways. But um, yeah, so it's usually the person who creates the project or gets asked to make the project. Um, and they're basically like, hand, like, oh, okay, like this is like the kind of the style that I want to show it in. This is the tone of it. This is like the genre. This is all the influences for it. And then they basically are like, Okay, hire my writers, hire my art team, the biz dev people, all everybody, board artists, revisionists, production, line producer, everyone. And then they, again, delegate those people to do their jobs um, and make sure that the show is cohesive and kind of to whatever their vision is. Um, and hopefully it turns out well. Mm-hmm. Hopefully is definitely, yeah. yeah. Hope it all comes together. <laughs> Hope it all comes together. You never know. <laughs> I wanted to touch on something you said a while ago that um, I feel like probably rings true for like a lot of black creatives in this industry where how sometimes we feel like we're brought into insert 
black product because we ourselves are black which we're like because and our brain is split between yay job but then also i kind of want to do like this cool lord of the rings thing though yeah over here can i do yeah. that and they're like no and they're like oh okay well yeah <laughs> no you're black and this show's black so you yeah, have to do you have this. to be on the black thing and you it's only like, know I want right black things people. to exist but be cool if like i could go do cool anime thing over here yeah. too. That's, okay. that's, what, that's how i feel because I, I absolutely love so much action projects or like just so many shows even like just animation and live action i just like i love a lot of the projects coming out but then i'm always sitting there like dang there's like no black version of this or like there's no black character like this and like it always makes me a little bit sad um mm -hmm. or like the black character gets done dirty um yeah and like i feel like i've watched three back-to-back -back projects where there's a black side character that got did dirty <laughs> recently and i just kind of got sad about it and i was like god even when we're in the cool projects it's like something bad happens to us yeah it's like um, the, it's like cool representation but it's like you know but at what cost <laughs> yeah and it, it's it's just it's sad but yeah i feel like with the exception of craig of the creek there's not like there was a, a lot of stuff at the beginning where i was like it'd be really nice to get hired on this, not just because I'm black, and it felt that way. And so I felt like I doubted myself a lot of the time, where it was just like, maybe I'm not actually a good writer, and that's why I can't get anything besides for these things that are black projects. And I think it'd be different if it was like, um, like Dad the Bounty Hunter, one of the creators is black, which is great. He's the first person of color I ever worked for. And just to give you a mindset, I think I worked on 15 different shows damn and i've only worked with two people of color one being a woman uh an asian woman and the other being the create one of the creators of dad but Man. before that i've never worked with a person of color or a female wow. showrunner and so i kept thinking to myself like maybe i'll just never get hired on anything i'm not a good enough writer to be in this space maybe i shouldn't be here in the first place maybe i'm just taking up space that more talented people could be here uh and maybe i should just leave uh, and I doubted myself a lot at the beginning. I just felt super paranoid that I was only mm. getting on projects because I was black and not because I was talented. And even like working on certain projects, I would hear people at studios like walking through the halls and they'd be like, oh, everyone knows there's only a lot of black people on the show because they're black and not because they deserve to be here. And I like, I, such I had a that mindset thing so hard. Yeah. So it was just like in my head, I was like, yeah, I'm not actually a good writer. I just, I'm just black and these shows are black. And they're not made by people of color. So then it just made me feel even more like, yes, it's definitely because I'm black and not because I'm talented. And so I doubted myself a lot. And no matter how much people would tell me they like my work, I just kind of felt down on myself that I was just not good enough. And I thought about quitting a lot. I was actually just mm -hmm. about to quit before um, I started working on Craig. And then I was just like, okay, well, I'm not terrible. Uh, maybe, maybe... I don't know. Maybe I just need more practice. So I'll just keep practicing. And then if I can't get anything, then I'll, I'll just call quits and I'll just figure out what else I'm going to do with myself. And then, so I was like, okay, cool. And then I got hired when I went into battle kitty. That's why I was kind of so shocked that number one, it was more than freelance, but that they were hiring me on it. Cause it wasn't a black character. But, and I was like, there look i think like you know i don't think really there's like a lot of just no, just human characters in general but 
it's not just like a black show. Mm. So then it was just like, oh, wait, did you guys actually like my script? That's weird. Hmm. You made a mistake. So then like I started on Battle Kitty and I had imposter syndrome the whole time. So I was just like, I don't think I'm good enough to be here. Like you guys made a mistake because I'm, I'm black. Mm. So you, you, I think you I think you meant to hire some older white guy or something to be here. I don't know. And then so I just kept doubting myself. And then like I got comfortable in like the showrunner was really good about being like, oh, great job today. Like, oh, man, those episode ideas that you came up with. So fun. So good. validation station yeah. Yeah. validation uh, and the story editor um, would also like give me validation. Be like, yeah, yeah. Great job. Like you guys, you're killing it. You're writing so fast. Like, you know, you don't have to stay here this late and, you know, you don't have to write this much and go this fast because like some people they go back to their desk. And like then like have like you know water cooler chat they'd go to get snacks and stuff and i'd be like uh sometimes late for lunch because i'd be afraid or like I'd, I'd be afraid to leave before anybody when i first got there like the other writers or production would go home and mm -hmm. i'd just be sitting there like i'm gonna wait until they leave even if i'm done with my work so i'm so afraid that they're gonna think that i'm not working hard um oh, and so i was just paranoid i was just like oh god i don't know if i'm doing good enough and then i got comfortable because they made me feel comfortable and i was like okay this isn't just because I'm black. You're not, this isn't like some quote unquote diversity pick. It made me feel really good. And then from there, people also kept hiring me on stuff that wasn't just black lead character. And I was like, maybe I am okay. Maybe I'm, I got like, you know, mm. I'm not the best writer. I can still learn a lot, I'm sure. But at least I'm getting things and it feels like it's not just because I'm a black person. Yeah. Um, which also made me good. And it's just like, it just made me happier to start working on things that I enjoyed working on. And it felt like, like I said earlier, like it felt, it felt like people were actually trusting me to do those things. Um, opposed to just being like, oh, we just need you because you're black and we don't really have many options because there's not a lot of black writers in animation. Um, or at least, you know, people who are actively working in animation right now. It's like, oh, there's not many of you. So I guess like, we'll just take you. That's what it felt like at the beginning. Even if it wasn't that, it felt that way. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then I was just like, I just want to prove to myself that I can work on something that is like super action-y, that has adventure, that has sci-fi and fantasy. And so I was like, kind of like trying to crap out as much samples as possible and like show people my scripts and posting them a lot and being like, look, I can do this thing. And it's not, it, and not just also being black, but being a female and then being queer. And my brain was always just like, up, oh, you got hired because you're queer. Up, oh, you got hired because you're a female. And then it was just like, now I think I'm at a point where I'm like, no, I need to have confidence in myself. I'm good at this thing. I enjoy yeah. doing it. I've been working on being where I am now since middle school, like not even middle school, elementary school, like fifth, fourth grade. And so I just kind of was like, no, I'm going to keep going and I'll just prove to them. Like eventually, I'm not going to lie, it became a spite thing. It was like, I'm going to show you that I'm so freaking good at this. That you're not going to have any choice but to want to hire me to work on Heck yeah. this actiony mm -hmm. adventure type story. Like you have no choice right now. Um, yeah. No, yeah. I I I I feel you on like you know like being worried about leaving before your other like peers, uh, like your other coworkers, because it's just like you know being someone who is a person of color and specifically you know like us being black, and then you know being a female and then being queer. It's just like you feel like you have to like position yourself where you are working 10 three times whatever is harder as everybody else because you're like you feel as if they do not have the confidence that you're doing it and you're like i'm doing the 
most I can, but yeah. at the same time, it kind of feels like you don't trust me. So I'm feeling, I'm doubting myself and you know, like just, just, I'll just say it that, you know, like our white colleagues, like they don't have to worry about that, that feeling like at all. And, uh, you know, like, I hope that, like, hearing stuff like this, like, makes them sort of empathize or, like, understand that, like, oh, this is a very, like, real thing that happens to people. And because this industry, while take, while taking very small baby steps to get better, it is very much just like a, a white dude's club. And there is not as much variety as there should be at the top, in the middle, at the bottom, whatever, in all parts of the pipeline for people working on different types of things. And it, sometimes we feel like you're only picking us because, like, you think that's all we can do. And it's like, no, like, ugh, have have confidence, please, people, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and that's, like, it, it feels so crappy because it's like, we shouldn't have to, re- like, because also, like, I think, like, after I got done with Battle Kitty, I had, like, I, I had, um, I wasn't sure if I was going to get any offers or, like, if I was going to be able to roll on to a new show. And I was just doubting myself so much. I had to like turn in new samples to the recruiting um, so they could try to send it to people at Netflix who were getting shows in case they wanted to just take me once I rolled off of Battle Kitty. And I was so nervous. I was like, how many black projects are realistically coming out right now? Exactly. Um, That's all I think. Unless I somehow magically get a person of color who enjoys my work or I get just someone in general. Just like if, if there's not a black project coming out, like, you know, a black lead character project coming out, then I'm not going to get hired. I was just like so deep in like a mindset of like, yeah, this is the only way I'm going to get hired on anything ever again. And then, I mean, luckily, again, it was all in my head, even though it is a thing that happens. Luckily, my my samples were strong enough to like get me rolled on to a new thing. And it was even a thing of like, I had multiple choices. And it just, again, it felt validating. It was like, wait, not just one show wants me, but three shows are willing to take me on off of this show and like one is black lead characters but it's not just because that they're black lead characters that they want me because the person making it is black so it's just like oh wow okay whoa you guys actually want me because you like my stuff and that feels super good and it's like confirms that i'm not like the crappiest writer in the world and it gave me like hope. And then I started like building from there, which ended up funny enough. I did end up taking the black project because I was like, dude, sci-fi. Come on. I've been working like Fifth Heck element yeah. was one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. I love like red dwarf and like star Wars and everything. Like I, I love uh, sci-fi in general. So I was like, of course I'm going to take the sci-fi fa- like family project. Like, of course um, it would be dumb of me not to. Um, <laughs> and it ended up being on one of like one of the best projects I've ever worked on. Um, which was my dad, the bounty hunter, where the two showrunners were freaking amazing rock stars. Um, and like the crew was just amazing. It was just like, I literally cried when I got done with that show. Cause I was just like, but yeah, like it, it was really good. And like, again, just showrunners were like, you deserve to be in this space. Stop doubting yourself. Like you're so good. People would be more than happy to work with you. And I was like, Oh, this is, thank you. <laughs> so validating but yeah it's just it's it's kind of tricky and it's like it's you never know what part of it is because you're so used to your race and and gender and sexuality coming into play you're never sure what part of it is in your head and what part of it is real 
and then like yep because like i'm pretty sure i have like missed out to things because i'm like i know one project i had a friend who actually told me that i missed out on a job because the person didn't feel like we had anything in common because i was uh, a black female like they didn't know how to talk to me essentially mm. and mm. they were like yeah he just like they didn't know how to how to relate to you i don't think we have anything in common even though we had all the same things in common like we loved anime we talked about anime we talked about video games but it was like they just felt closer to like a, a fellow white guy than they did me mm. yeah. and it was yeah. just based I, off of I've, that man I've definitely heard that tale uh told about different different jobs and and animation where it's like uh oh yeah i it's either uh this uh this black woman who's really good at what they do or uh this this white guy who's like you know it's uh, i don't know maybe just as good but uh, i I, I'm i'm a white guy who's hiring and i I don't know if I'm going to connect with this black woman. So I guess I'm going to go with the white guy. Cause I just feel like, yeah. I just feel like we're not going to connect. And it's just like, you haven't even given the chance <laughs> to yeah. connect. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like, we're people. Really Jeez. Like we have likes and dislikes <laughs> that like go beyond just like, you know, being black, like, yeah, come on. But it's come like, on. I don't know. It's just like some, some people it's like hard for them to understand that. And like, I've, it's just like, it's, it's a very weird thing to think about i'm like what does that mindset come from jesus um but it's like also it's like yeah it's fine maybe i don't want to work with you if that's your mindset in the first place exactly no if that's the point of contention then maybe like it's not even worth your time being around this person yeah Yeah, the mindset comes from not having black friends and getting all of your (laughs) uh understanding of uh people of color from exactly and i'm not about to be like your your education tool like no Mm -hmm. way yeah (laughs) like (laughs) too awkward it's just like no i don't no i i've had like i've somehow worked with some really great people like i worked with one story editor in a room where uh, someone who was not a part of our writing group was there for the day. I can't remember why. And they said something a little ignorant. And mm. I had a story editor who was not a person of color stick up for just black people in general and be like, please stop talking. You don't know what you're talking about. Stop talking or get out of my room. And mm. it was amazing. And I was just like, cool. <laughs> I'm happy I don't have to worry about that because like you understand and you stick up and you defend me. Or not just me, just in general. I think whatever the topic was, you were just talking about race relations and because I think you were comparing it to something in the story. But it was just like nice. It's like, oh, cool. Okay, cool. I don't have to worry about this. But I also think it's like getting more black executives, of course, um, getting more black showrunners would help or just, you know, people of color in general. Because I feel like there's like race solidarity to like a certain degree. Yeah. Like, yes, I know there's some problems still between different races, but but like some race solidarity so i feel like i still feel more comfortable like like with 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 the possibility of diversity actually being brought in because of people of color having shows but um but yeah like when and when there's more like black showrunners or black executives i feel like there's more chance of being put on something because you are actually good at it and like they're going to choose the best person for the job not just mm-hmm. who they feel comfortable around um Mm-hmm. because i i can it's like also like what you were saying women where it's like oh i don't have any black friends or i'm not really close to any black people 
So it's like that winds up being like, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to pick my friends for this job. Like I've had my friends in mind for this job and all my friends are white. Mm. And so I'm only going to hire white people. So sometimes it's not, it's not purposefully being like, I'm not going to hire any people of color on my show. It's just like, oh, I, these are all my friends and they just happen to be white and that's why they all got hired. But then it's just like not taking a step back and being like, oh, wait, crap, this whole show is full of white people. I didn't think to hire people of color. And okay, well, even if I did take a step back and look at that, maybe I'll hire one person of color and they're going to feel extremely awkward because the only like, the only person of color in the room, which I have been multiple times, or even the only female in the room, mm-hmm. um, which also like the dad team, like so diverse, a writing group too, or like our writing team too. And it's like, just like certain shows go out of their way to make sure that everything feels actually inclusive. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just more people of color creators and more like, also just the lead characters being diverse too helps. So I mm-hmm. feel like people sticking in their, their box of comfort, it's just kind of like, it's like, it's a weird line. Cause it's like, hey, don't maybe present us terribly like maybe the representation do respectfully when you're not a person of color but it's also like you don't want to be like don't do us at all it's just mm-hmm. like just do us well but it's like it's it's tricky it's tricky all of it's tricky mm. yeah tricky tricky indeed mm-hmm. but i believe we are running close to time so Waymond, you want to ask your favorite, <laughs> yeah, favorite <wonderful laughs> question yes i do brie uh so kira i asked this question to uh everyone uh who's on the podcast uh Uh what are (laughs) (laughs) who are you (laughs) no um what are the types of stories you want to see being told in animation like what do you want wish to see more um, all right here we go let me crack my knuckles <laughs> uh, i want every no i'm kidding uh, <laughs> honestly i just want it doesn't have to be ya because i know everyone's like making the push for ya and i love mm-hmm. ya don't get me wrong i would love to make a ya thing but i just want more mature content like not mm-hmm. like sex drugs violence i want like but rock and roll stories that actually talk about something like uh mm. like hey arnold i always talk about the episode that sid where mm. hey where arnold goes to his house and realizes that he lives in pretty much like the ghetto he's like in the projects and it's like house covered in like roaches and shit um but like that's that's kind of like i want more i want to see lower income families i want to see big family households i want to see like talking about depression with kids and like uh like people say found family but that usually just means an ensemble cast it doesn't really necessarily go into the idea of what found family is mm-hmm. it's like yeah you can put a bunch of characters together call it found family because they're getting close to one another but it's like no i want to go in depth with what that is just deeper emotional things that i think that isn't talked about that kids would love to see uh like dealing with grief and like Mm. just kind of like struggles in life that kids have to deal with but they don't get to see those stories until they're like late teens or in their 20s and it's the reason we're all sitting here 
being like, dang, I wish I had this when I was a kid because we didn't get it when we were kids. And even now, I think things are getting even softer somehow, where even more subjects are kind of like afraid to be discussed. And I kind of want to see that more in animation because I feel like live action does it a lot. Like even talking about parents being divorced, mm. it's like, words like that's doesn't seem that wild to me anymore. I feel like a lot of friends' parents have been divorced, uh, but animation doesn't really dive into it that much or, you know, just different family dynamics. Like, what is it like when, you know, someone, you know, because I, I grew up with uh, cousins who were adopted or I grew up with cousins who didn't grow up with their parents for some reason. They grew up with their grandparents or like an aunt or uncle that raised them. Um, so just like different family dynamics too would be really interesting. I feel like we don't get it a lot and I would especially love it with black characters or people of color. Like uh, I feel like Hispanic characters, super underutilized. I would like to see more uh, Hispanic stories as well. Um, I feel like there's so little uh, as well as black characters. And I, I, I grew up in a very mixed, in this, um, uh, like surrounding in my city in New Jersey. So it's like, eh, okay, I see some stuff getting done, but I feel like there's still not enough. Uh, and especially if those stories could be told through some sort of like fantasy action uh, sci-fi element. Because I love like urban fantasies or like um, anything like big world, but like where that's like, the background things like it's mostly about the characters and their relationships and their art but you put it in the realm of something fantastical or magical that's kind of like my favorite thing that's yes. what i love like yes i hear here i concur i, I concur <laughs> I <love this>. <laughs> mm-hmm. and... man i can't wait i can't wait to see your uh more mature, but not about sex and drugs and having action, <laughs> but really great family <laughs> dynamics uh, show. Coming up <laughs> tomorrow. Coming oh, up God. Tomorrow. <laughs> I get a hire. Oh, <laughs> crap. I'm not ready. <laughs> and oh, do you God. have any last words of wisdom for all of the aspiring writers slash story edit- editors out there that are listening? Um. Yes. Go read lots of scripts. Uh, Watch as much media as possible, even if it's something that's bad, because you can learn from the bad things too. And last, the best way to get better at writing is to write. So write as much as possible, uh, even if it's only a little bit of a day uh, or a week or a month, a year, whatever. Just write, because that's the best way that you're going to get better at writing. And even when you start writing and you get into the industry, don't stop doing that and um make sure to keep friends outside of the industry because um you don't want to get wrapped up and sound like you're only in the industry you you need friends and people around you who keep Mm. you grounded and help you still understand how the world works outside of being in media and yeah amen that's really good advice i think i think that's something that uh I have not heard anybody say, and I think that's mm-hmm. super important. So Very thank important. you for that. I actually got told it oh, like uh, two years ago. They were like, yeah, uh, other writers, they're weird. You know, people in the industry, sometimes weird. We're all in our <laughs> little bubbles and we uh, forget about what the outside world looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so make sure to keep, like she's like, I have a part-time job um, just so I stay in touch with other people who are not in the industry. It's been super helpful. And I was like, huh, yeah, I guess I don't have any friends like that 
are not outside of animation or live action TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's weird. I need to. I think I need to stick to friends who are also not in the industry. That's good advice. Mm. Yes. She's like, you'll your characters when you when you write them will thank you. And I was like, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. End up making OCs that all are uh, film students. Yeah, <laughs> Why are all my characters film students? They all sound like, oh god, Josh Radner characters. <laughs> Stares at myself in college with all of my OCs that wants to be a film film uh, film uh, student. One is a wants to be like a an animator and then mm-hmm. i'm just like mm-hmm. staring at it now and i'm like hmm. yeah all my Wait, are staring at it right now? <laughs> struggled depressed writers who were like hermits and put aside and i'm like hmm. this uh curmudgeon writer character is a little too similar to literally everyone around me who was also <laughs> and all my characters are sad artists no, no. <laughs> you you really do do it like all my yeah. very like <laughs> extroverted characters is like mostly like I started realizing that I was like writing one of my friends every time I was writing like an extroverted like uh like pretty boy character I was like oh crap I'm just writing this friend <laughs> oh no and he's like an actor and a model and I was like oh god I'm just writing this friend oh god <laughs> and I was like I have to change I need to be around more people yeah <laughs> uh-huh so if if you want people to find you online how can people find you where do you wish to be found i don't wish to be found yeah don't look at me don't ever think about me forget this episode about. ever exists no i'm kidding don't do that um, <laughs> reset your brain <laughs> yeah yeah no you can find me at shakira presley um anywhere because i just put my name places i don't have a cool creative art name because i'm not cool enough um kira. So, yeah, just, <laughs> okay so funny enough no one's supposed to call me kira everyone just calls me kira. it was a family name and because mm-hmm. my brother worked with me on craig everyone started calling me kira oh this, now, is, this is the this, this is, is the day sean because when he fine. was he was like actually um it's uh, uh oh yeah Deshaun? listeners no, if you that debacle was actually created by me and my brother came to my cubicle uh, and was like, why did you start this? Because I, we, we were talking one day, and Jeff had called him Deshaun. And I was like, his name is Deshaun. That's why he'd call him Day. And he was like, what? And everyone went, what? And like the whole crew kept going up to him the entire day and being like, your name's not Deshaun or Deshaun. We thought we've been calling you the wrong name. Why didn't you ever correct us? And he's like, because I didn't want this to happen. I didn't want everyone to come to me and tell me that they've been saying my name wrong i didn't want to do it for thirty thousand people who've just been saying my name wrong just say deshaun or deshaun i don't care anymore <laughs> like, as long as you don't call me like deshaun then i will forgive you deshaun's for fine it's fine <laughs> and he got so mad because i just made everyone at all cartoon network start coming up to him and then just posted it and everyone started messaging him i've been saying your name wrong for years and then I was just like, oh, God, he's going to kill me. <laughs> but oh it was the Lord. same thing. It was like, we the just worked on thing. Craig together, and people would hear him call me Kira. And so they were just like, your name's Kira. And I was like, 
No, that's not like everyone nickname. And then it just spread like wildflower uh, or wildflowers. What? Yes, wildflowers. Yeah, yes, wildfire. No, that's wild, I, wild I like that. It's, it's like it's like it's a, be, it's a more yeah sweeter less, less, non-violent uh, version. version. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the version we need in California where everything yeah like, yeah on fire. Um, but yeah, so yeah, no friends are allowed to call me Kira. <laughs> uh, people who I have never met before, they call me Kira, and I'm like, "You're like, who are you? Who are you?" <laughs> and they're like, hey, right. "Your name's not Kira." I'm like, "No, it's Shakira for you. Everyone else can call me Kira, who like I know." Like, <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, it's just it's too, I feel like it's too late. I feel like the whole world, everyone's just like Kira, and I'm like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Even on my IMDb page, someone added it. To my oh, wiki really? page, my IMDb, and they're like, like nickname also Nick- goes by Kira Presley. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, you're so oh family named I feel like oh it's my too God. late. I feel yeah, like it, it, no it, it might back. be too late. And well, listeners, hey, if you ever bump into <laughs> and listeners, if it's I Shakira. work with you or we're friends, fine, call me Kira. If I don't know you, don't call up to me and call me Kira. It's weird. No sliding in those DMs like <laughs> Don't 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 be in those DMs because you uh uh-uh, that's rude. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. Oh it happens so often. Like even executives who I've never met before, but like, oh hey Kira, and I'm like, <laughs> never even met you before. Like, uh, you call me, me by my nickname. We're on cool level. That's okay. Shakira. <laughs> no, I think um even like. Netflix and Cartoon Network when I got hired everyone just thought my name was Kira so my email for a long time was Kira and then they were like oh my I God. don't understand I can't find your name anywhere on the server uh, like HR must have entered something wrong when you were getting like your paperwork done and I was like because my name's not Kira guys you do know my name's not Kira right and they're like what I'm like my name's not Kira that's why you can't find my name my name is Shakira their like, names are a point of contention, guys. Wow. Yeah. 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 Have, a, have a good evening, morning, or whenever you listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>Thanks for listening to the podcast. As always, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Black and Animated. And listen for more episodes on blackandanimated.podbean.com and on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are the respective individual and do not reflect the views of our employers. Thanks, guys. Until next time. This episode was edited by Tyler Schlossman with music by Ergo Funk.